Hello, my friend, and welcome to TFU News and Views. I am your host, Anthony Brucalli, owner, operator, madman behind TFU.info, the website, the Toy Archive, this podcast, Transformers University podcast, and oh, so much more. And today, <laughs> right now, we are going to talk about Transformers Rise of the Beasts, the seventh film in uh, the live action series, eighth Transformers theatrical film overall. Um, and we're going to get spoilery. We're going to get spoilery pretty quickly. Uh, I will tell you my thoughts on the film without spoiling it. Uh, it was fun. Uh, and, and I will put it um, that way. I had a lot of fun. I left the theater happy. I left the theater wanting to see it again. Uh, maybe not going back to the movies to see it again, but wanting to experience it again. Um, I tried not to think too hard about it. There were things I definitely thought were lacking but there was never a moment where i was like oh that's ridiculous oh that's terrible oh how could they do that there was never any of that um there were times definitely where i was like that dialogue's not good that's weird something was taking out of the film that i don't know about <laughs> and that doesn't seem to fit just the right way anymore so there are times where that happens in the film but overall, I think the film itself was a fun ride. It's a fun popcorn movie. It's a good summer movie. The minute you start thinking too hard on it, much like most uh, of the previous films, uh, it does bring it down a peg. But I will say that even though I was thinking harder on this and as I start conversing with friends about the things we liked and didn't like, um, it still hasn't knocked it down that far from where it was. You know, this movie is... Um, I would say this movie is like, uh, it's it's a seven <laughs> out of ten. Like, um, it's it's certainly not bad, but uh, it, it certainly doesn't necessarily um, hold up next to really good films. It's good for a Transformers movie, kind of <laughs> kind of good way to put it. Um, but with all that in mind, uh, I left very happy. I was very excited to see it. And you, if you're on the fence about seeing it, go see it um, because it, it is a lot of fun. Um, there was certainly a nostalgia bug uh, that, that was scratched, a nostalgia itch that was scratched for me watching this film. Now, before I get into the details of the film, I am going to talk a little bit about the plethora of trailers that were before the film. So this gives you a chance to listen to something before we get all spoilery, right? All right, so check this out. Um, my film had eight, <laughs> eight trailers, uh, in front of it. It was almost like 40 minutes of trailers. Um, so I won't talk about all of them. I did. I will skip a few. I'm going to skip, uh, Expendables 4 and I'm going to skip, uh, Gran Turismo, which actually looks kind of cool, but, um, I don't really have a lot to say about it. Um, and I don't necessarily have a lot to say about all of them, but there's a couple here that are really interesting. And there's a real reason why I want to talk about them, uh, in the context of this film when we start getting spoilery. So, starting with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. This looks awesome. It looks fun. It looks funny. Can't wait to see it. Um, then there was a film called The Creator, which is kind of about like AI run out of control. Um, I was wondering when films like this were going to start popping up. Uh, you know, when we're going to see a Terminator sequel rooted in ChatGPT. Uh, these, these are things that uh, 
uh, I think can't be too far off, right? This plethora of movies like this. Um, the creator looks kind of cool. Like it kind of drew me in, but then I was like, how much want to bet this is all a really well cut trailer because that movie comes out at the end of September and that's a terrible time to put out a big sweeping blockbuster kind of movie. Uh, Mission Impossible, uh, number, I don't know. You know why? I've never seen a Mission Impossible movie. Not one, not one. I have seen most of the Indiana Jones movies. I should do a rewatch of all of them. Plus, I know I've never seen Crystal Skull. I've told I can skip Crystal Skull, but I kind of still want to see it. Um, they had the Flash trailer, uh, which starts with young girls telling Ezra Miller that they love him. Probably a poor editing choice. Just, just me. Just my thoughts on it. Um, <laughs> uh, however, seeing Michael Keaton as Batman on a big screen again... Uh, was uh, mind blowing for me. I mean, that was I saw that movie the day I graduated fifth grade, uh, or before I started junior. This the summer I started before junior high, um, and so like that move, that original Batman movie really does hold a place in my heart. Um, so I am interested in seeing what that movie becomes. I'm not gonna go see it, but I will certainly watch it when it comes out on Max. And then finally, there was Oppenheimer. Uh, that was the last one of the trailers. And Oppenheimer um, is about the uh, the Manhattan Project and developing the first nuclear bomb. And there's an interesting parallel here uh, between that trailer and the creator of, of humanity uh, creating a tool um, for people's lives or to save lives, right? The, as much as the atomic bomb is a weapon, it is also it was also meant to end the war quickly and save hundreds of thousands of American lives, right? Um, and allied power lives, right? But on the flip side of that, there was a line in that trailer and, and that, that this would be the bomb to end all wars. And someone said, until they build a bigger bomb. And uh, the, there, there's this weird and very interesting parallel between that and then an AI being out of control, um, which in the trailer drops a nuke on LA. So uh, <laughs> make of that what you will. Um, but I kind of want to see both films uh, side by side. Finally, there was a Regal. I saw it at a Regal theater. Regal movies had a quote uh, fest <laughs> as their promotional trailer of people showing up in a movie and like just quoting all other movies. And I wrote one line, and I think this one line is very important for the rest of this episode, and that is, nostalgia is a hell of a drug. Uh, <laughs> You know, if you've seen the uh, Watchmen on HBO or now Max, as it's called, um, they they actually turned nostalgia into pills and uh, centered an entire episode around it. Um, nostalgia is a hell of a drug, and that takes us to the start of Transformers: Rise of the Beast. And I will do one non-spoilery thing before we go to promo, and then after the promo, it's spoilers all the way. So, and that is uh, the Paramount. Uh, opening of this film, the the logo that says Paramount, it has the stars flying and they, they scrape the water and then they come up over the mountain, right? Um, there's different versions of this and the Transformers one always has like this little um, aliens technology voice sounds, uh, sounds almost like an old modem, but like you kind of hear it throughout the Transformers films. That, that thing, <laughs> that, that opening made me smile. It made me, brought me back to 2007, it brought me back to 2009 and 2011, and 
whenever you hear the la, you know, Age of Extinction, the last night came out, it brought me back to every single time I've seen a Transformers film post 2007 in the movies. Um, and I instantly felt like, all right, it's time to have fun. And with that, we're going to go to this break. And then it's time for us to have fun. If you join me for just this, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, come back after you've listened and watched the movie. Pause this here and then come back and listen uh, to my thoughts on the film. So until then, we'll be back after this. Hey, want to help out this podcast or the website tfu.info? There's a number of ways you can do it. Let me tell you how. You can help us directly by joining our Patreon and enrolling as a student at Transformers University. There, you'll get early access to the podcast as well as exclusive behind-the-scenes peaks and perks for as little as $1 a month. Sign up is quick and easy. Just swing on by to www.patreon.com slash tfuinfo. Another way you can help us is by using our Amazon link, www.tfu.info slash Amazon. Type that into your browser whenever you want to shop at Amazon and a portion of what you spend will be contributed back to us. It's that easy. Finally, you don't become the world's longest running transforming toy archive without some help from other fans. We're always on the hunt for photos of figures and accessories we're missing from our pages. If you'd like to contribute, go to tfu.info slash help for a list of what we need or send an email to info at tfu.info. tfu.info, the alpha trion and omega prime of transforming toys. Now, back to the show. All right, and we open on some planet somewhere, and Unicron is coming. We get the Unicron theme. I'm not going to go too much into story by story, part by part beats. I will tell you the movie itself was a lot of fun. Seeing Unicron on the big screen was so cool. Um... I, uh, the Maximals, seeing the Maximals on screen, also really cool. We, we meet Ape Link, <laughs> as well as Optimus Primal. Um, as Unicron sends his heralds to, uh, to Earth, Scourge is there to scour, which, uh, as you know, I am the proponent of the original Scourge transforming into a scouring pad uh, as his original uh, alt form. And we find out they're chasing this transwarp key. So all these little Beast Wars things being brought in. Maximals, transwarp, uh, the transwarp key, uh, which isn't a Beast Wars thing, but I, I like the way it's being used here. Instead of a transwarp drive uh, and it being part of a ship, it is just this artifact that does the thing. Um, what I didn't like about this scene is they never named the planet. They don't do the world building that we really want to see done in these films. And we don't see more than just a handful of characters. And they all escape on a ship and into space and time. Um, we don't know who else was on that, but we find out later they're all dead. Um, and we had only seen the same characters that we see later. So um, I think overall, I would have liked to see more ships fly out. Just just tell me there's more on this planet than just the six characters that are there. You know, and then we end up back on Earth and we start meeting our human characters. And I think my issue with the Earth part, as good as it is, uh, is the dialogue gets very clunky here. And we get a lot of exposition told to us from different pieces of the film of other people talking about the people we're meeting. Uh, case in point, the job interview scene. Um, this scene did not sit well with me. It's kind of a way to explain uh, Noah's history in the army. 
his personality. He's not a team player. Um, I feel like there was such a better way to do that, and it wasn't the way they did it because <laughs> they just wanted to cram it down your throat and move on. Um, but it is redeemed by the heist scene, uh, the heist scene where Noah is stealing a car and Elena is examining uh, the bird artifact, the Airazor artifact, uh, and it eventually falls apart. That whole um, parallel storytelling, that whole parallel edit is really cool. Um, and the music was really good. The music overall in this film, really cool. I mean, in 90s rap and 90s New York where I grew up, um, I grew up in Queens, but just over the Queens-Brooklyn border. So um, a lot of familiar things uh, in that world for me. Uh, one of the things I noticed <laughs> during the high scene um, was the song. Um, there's a line in that song that says, we jazz like that just before you see Mirage. Um, and I don't know how, it, how intentional it was, but uh, it made me, made me laugh and made me think enough to write it down. Um, then when uh, Noah gets caught with the stolen car, I, I thought the parking lot guard was Michael Winslow. And then during the chase, I thought one of the cops was Steve Gutenberg and was really hoping for some sort of police academy uh, reunion. <laughs> and uh, that wasn't there. But because uh, neither of those actors were the actors that were in the film. Now, you know, it's a good point here to kind of mention um, there is certainly a vibe to these films that is tribute to other 80s films. I think um, as, as we get through the story, uh, especially from this point on, uh, there's a bit of Indiana Jones in the storytelling, in the style, in the visualizations, and there's a bit of Alien uh, in the style and the visualizations. We get to the warehouse, um, and as Mirage is transforming, I, I would kid you not, one of the graffiti tags on the pole, uh, the, the beam in the room, is Jazz, J-A-Z. Just funny stuff for me, and I'm going chronologically through the things I, I, I made note about. Uh, Mirage, we get a cool Easter egg with Mirage as an IndyCar real quick. Um, and then later on in the story, when Mirage and, and Noah are driving, uh, there's a Marky Mark joke that you can't believe that Marky Mark's leaving the Funky Bunch and and pursuing a career in acting. And uh, As we know, that Marky Mark is Mark Wahlberg, uh, who starred in uh, The Age of Extinction and Last Night. So I think, you know, one of the things that and then my notes get really loose from here because I really was paying attention to the film. So one of the things that, that kind of irked me, and this is, I wrote robot emotions filtered through human eyes, but it's also the human emotion filtered through other people's eyes. There's a lot of, of telling, and this is something I was talking about before, that the dialogue tells you what someone else is feeling by someone else, by two people talking about that third person. So we know what Optimus is feeling by Elena and Noah talking about it. We know what... Um, no, we we don't really get to um, learn about these characters on their own. There's some also some things with Peter Cullen's performance that I, I didn't necessarily enjoy, and I feel like they chose the wrong takes. Uh, like when he's telling the history of the transwarp artifact, um, he his voice pitches up really high and paces really fast, almost like they sped it up to cut time. And the other thing, and this was good and bad, um, was uh, he said the line. There's, there's a lot of he said the line in this film. Um, looking at the rest of my notes, no matter the cost, all are one, roll out, 
maximals maximize. These are all, <laughs> he said, the line. Um, and some work better than others. I like the use no matter the cost. Um, they reframed it in a way uh, that made it important. Uh, this is the first time in a Transformers film since the original that we've had the phrase till all are one. Um, I'm okay with that. Um, you know, the Autobots Maximals roll out, that's quick and easy. Uh, Maximals Maximize is kind of a really cool moment uh, because you figure you had to wait eight films to get to this. It's also a mention of Primus, which was the uh, first time he was mentioned in a film. And, um, you know, when Noah gets the suit, he does the Iron Man pose. <laughs> I don't know uh, if um, uh, that was intentional, if that's a nod, but he certainly did it. And then, uh, you know, at the end, we still get our speech. Uh, we get the ending theme from the last night. It's in the credits. Check it out. And then finally, we get our, our weird tag on the back end before the post credit scene. Um, and the, the tag being Michael Kelly uh, playing Agent Burke, uh, who happens to be recruiting for G.I. Joe. I like I liked the touch. I like the way they did that. Um, I had to look up who Agent Burke was, and that's a really deep pull. So that is from an episode called The Spy Who Rooked Me. Uh, and Agent Burke was actually um, a James Bond kind of clone <laughs> for that episode. Um, I don't know if that's who Michael Kelly was playing. I couldn't even remember Michael Kelly's name. I was right. I wrote Doug Stamper on my notes because uh, that's who he was in House of Cards. Looking at my post-show list, uh, my dislikes. Uh, here's what I wrote last night when I watched the after I watched the movie: uh, lack of maximal robot modes. Um, I get. I get the idea of selling it, waiting to the end to kind of make that moment, to make that moment where, where Optimus Primal says Maximals Maximize, right? But I don't know if that's needed seven films into the franchise. Um, I'd much rather see robots running around. I think most people feel that way. Um, Ares' death scene was odd. Optimus kind of hugs her to death. Um, we don't really see how how he put an end to her. And I think that that left me a little weird. Um, the Energon wave that revives Bumblebee um, is not really explained, kind of just happens, feel like that's part of something that was left out of the film earlier. Um, for the most part, the Terracons aren't named. We get Scourge's name. I don't remember if we got Nightbird's name. I don't think we did. And when Battletrap's name, we definitely didn't get. Um, and they do this. They take the villains and they kind of just make them these things, right? Um, I feel like that's one of the things always lacking in these films. Uh, as mentioned earlier, the planet, if it was Eucharist, like they didn't name it. Um, same thing with the space bridge thing that they use for the transwarp. Could have called it a space bridge. It would have been one word in one line of dialogue and you could have built that portion of the world. I feel like the world building is there, but it's not always there in a way that is catchy. Finally, Peter Dinklage's Scourge, uh, not his best performance at all. Um, it, it's weird to say that Peter Dinklage is probably um, the worst acted part in this film because Pete Davidson is clearly the best acted part in this film. Um, <laughs> he is, was such a surprise, and I'm, I'm kind of a fan as it is, um, but I didn't think he'd be this good. And there was so much heart to that performance, so I'm happy about that, happy about the Maxwells, happy about, happy about the hints of time travel. Um, I thought that was really cool. And then finally, the one thing that was weird, and I don't know, again, this is where they used an alternate take, I think. So the phrase, let them come from the trailer, the way it was presented in the trailer, didn't happen in the film. Um, the line delivery wasn't the same as the film. There was a line at the end during the speech where Optimus says, let them come, blah, 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 blah. But like it's part of a sentence. There's no definitive like punctuation on the end of that. Um, 
so it's interesting to see that they didn't add in uh, that line. It's almost it reminds me of, of the movie Major League. Uh, in the movie Major League, in the trailer, there's a joke about um, where a player hits a home run. He's like, that player, that ball won in bed out of most parks. And the punchline is, name one. And somebody says, Yellowstone. Um, that joke, which is really funny in the trailer, not in the film. Um, and, and I remember seeing that film in the movies, and we all, I remember my parents and I all looking at each other going, they didn't, they didn't do the Yellowstone joke. And this, this kind of feels the same way. All right, so where do I stand on this film? Um, it might be the best sequel so far. Um, it is certainly the sequel we've wanted, <laughs> um, I think, since <laughs> the first film. Uh, it follows up on, on how good Bumblebee was with a big action spectacle. There's more potential here. Um, and I think they need to get away from the idea of trying to make this a prequel series. Um, and you can see how De Bonaventura and Capel are like kind of at odds at whether or not this is a prequel or not. Um, I'm fine with full reboot. reboot. Uh, I feel like not having done a full reboot or p positioning as a reboot ruins the Bumblebee story arc, right? That he dies and comes back. Like, knowing it's a prequel, knowing that he's going to be there in that first film does nothing for that, that sequence and that, that part of the story. Not knowing if he's going to come back. That would have been the key to making the Bumblebee portion work really well. Also, I'm not a fan of the talking with sound clips Bumblebee concept at all. So I think if you shed those two things, it, you can push this franchise into a much better place. Um... Like I said, the movies for me is probably a 7 out of 10 overall. For a Transformers film, it's probably a 9 out of 10. Um, you know, the more I think back on things I didn't like, um, it doesn't pull down my enjoyment of the film, which I walked out of Age of Extinction. I walked out of the last night feeling like I enjoyed both of them. They were both a lot of fun. And the more I think thought about them, the more I disliked the film to the point where I was almost mad that I had to think about them. This is not that. This is, is uh, a very fun summer movie. And as long as you approach it that way and, and just take it in that way, I think you'll enjoy it too. So with that, I'm going to wrap up this episode of TFU News and Views. Once again, I am your host, Anthony Brucali, owner-operator Madman behind TFU.info. Go out, go see Rise of the Beast. It's a fun one. Until next time, see ya. Want to be on the show? Leave us a voicemail at 702-763-4838. That's 702-POD-4TFU. Or send an email to info at tfu.info. Be sure to catch us on Twitter at TFU underscore info and on Facebook and Instagram under the username TFU info, all one word. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash TFU info, where we post all of our podcasts, plus special video segments, reviews, and live coverage of Transformers-related events such as New York Toy Fair and New York Comic Con. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please visit us at www.tfu.info, the world's longest-running transforming toy archive.